Resonate is a community that loves like Jesus, and we want you to experience that with us together. I want to encourage you each and every week to tune into this online broadcast or attend our weekly gatherings in Sherwood at 10 a.m. You also can join in on one of our community groups that meet during the week, either here at the church building or in our homes. So to find out more about our community or to give to our ministry financially, please visit our website at resonatelife.org. So today we are starting a new sermon series called Relationship Rescue. And today's sermon is titled, Move Over, Please. So I own a coffee shop across the street from the church building, and I find owning such a thing an interesting experience because there are all kinds of people from various walks of life that come in. And so life gets a little interesting across the, across the coffee bar, right? Some come in strictly to get coffee and go. There's very little interaction. There's very little conversation. I just want this. Here's the payment. Money's exchanged. Drink is made. Out the door they go. But some people come in and they sit down, let's say for a meeting, or they're, they're meeting with a friend, or they're, they're, they need some work to be done, and so they're sitting down by themselves with their computer and their coffee, and they sit there and get work done. Some people come in just to meet up with friends. There's no agenda. They just want to meet up for coffee. And some people truly come in for relationships with their baristas, the people across the counter. And what's funny is as you develop a relationship with the customer and then the customers develop relationships with each each other, you see this begin to flourish where people will sit out on the porch, they'll sit out next to the fire, and no judgment is made at this coffee house. You are who you are and you you are what you are and you come in, and, and honestly, you can have a you know, complete anonymity if you come in, or you can get to know lots of people, because the whole premise of this coffee house is to build relationships with our community and impact our community in positive ways. But for many, it's a place where you can come in and just be normal. And there's really no obligations, or and honestly, you're abnormal is really just our normal, because my abnormal is your abnormal when we're all there. So some people think that just my description of that, that that environment is not spiritual, because I'm not preaching in there, or I have no literature that I'm passing out, or some spiritual agenda to to uh, beat somebody over the head with, you know, like the big Bible type, Bible thump people. Yet God is all about relationships. And I have watched people across the bar, across tables, they're healed in their relationships through conversations, let's say with their spouse or their children or or friends, they're healed in their relationships. I've watched people recover from literally physical distress and emotional, mental things as well, just through conversations with loved ones, conversations with us, conversations with their friends, just a piece of hope, just a conversation about just love and care and joy in the world. And and honestly, that sounds very spiritual to me. Well, because it's spiritual to me, is this is why, is, is where the when there's a relationship involved, God is present. And that is the greater idea and concept of being in spaces that promote and catalyze relationships. 
Because in that space, whether it be a church space or whether it be a coffee space or whether it be at your table at home or on a park bench, that God is present in these conversations and situations. That these conversations and situations, talking about life, exchanging joy, exchanging care for one another, these are spiritual. So let's start with that premise when it comes to relationships. When two or more are gathered, Jesus is in the midst. And that's the foundation for all connectivity, community, and relationships with one another. And there's a very profound prayer. Now, this is a heavy prayer because it's something that I believe that the church, but also our world and and our nation has not accomplished. And it's pretty heavy. And just reading it, I went, wow, we we are not even close to this right now. But John 17, 21 through 23 says this, I pray they will be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, I pray that they also will be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me so that they can be one just as we are one. I'm in them and you are in me so that they will be made perfectly one. Then the world will know that you sent me and that you have loved them just as you loved me. So unity, Jesus is talking about being united together. That unity is very spiritually profound. When we forge our relationships together through conversation and possibly even conflict that has resolve and reconciliation towards resolution and restoration, when we see that happen, Jesus is shown. Jesus and his glory is shown in the reconciled, restored, healed relationship. So Jesus in this passage is expressing God's heart for the world. That Jesus wants the world united. That Jesus wants his people, and especially the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God to be shown that that the kingdom of God is a united entity, a united community. So Jesus never took a break from the kingdom in any of his relationships. So the question for us is how to take his example, Jesus and his example, and bring more kingdom in each of our relationships. So if the kingdom is united, how do we bring more unity to our relationships? Now, we live in a very divided world. We live in a very divided nation. We live in a very divided state and community and city even, and sometimes even our neighborhoods and our streets are divided in what we believe or what politics we subscribe to or what agenda we have or what we think is right or what we think is wrong or what we think is, is you know, appropriate, not appropriate, how to raise our kids, not raise our kids. And so this is an encouragement in John 17 where I see that there's a lot of hope that people would know the love of Christ because we are loving one another in such a way that unity is brought amongst community, that unity is brought amongst people, and that that expression of love to one another, that people would know Jesus because of it. And we're not loved with a secondary love. That scripture tells us that we are loved by the, the very God that made us, right? We're loved as God loves himself in the Trinity, 
And so one of the things that I want you to understand in this passage of Scripture is that they would be united as we are united, and they would be united with us as, as we are in God, that God is in us. The, that passage of Scripture is telling us that the same way God and Jesus are united, we as followers of Jesus are united to God in that same way. So just as the Trinity is that dance of unity that's united, we are united with God in that same way. That is spiritually profound, that God's love is replicated towards us. Well, very tangible, boots on the ground, person to person horizontally. The second thing that I want you to get out of this passage is that same love that God has for us, we are to have for each other. So God wants to pour out his love to us, and we are to pour out this love to one another. That's very difficult in a world that is divided and a world of opinions and, and disagreements and conflict. We're to love each other, even our own, as Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, even our, our enemies. So a helpful way to think about the flow of love is this relationship with God We'll just call this a vertical relationship. And then this relationship with one another is a horizontal relationship. And if you've been around here for a while, you've heard me talk about the vertical relationship and the horizontal relationship. God designed us and gave us basically the world that we live in in all creation. He designed us that we would be filled by his love and that love would overflow to others around us. So our love for each other would be like a reflection of God's love into the world. Yet we live in a fragmented world. We live far from that truth that we are united. And so this current day, these current days have been dominated by hatred, dominated by division, dominated by violence, dominated by disagreement and unresolved conflicts, dominated by, you know, opinions are more important than the person. And so the temptation in the answering the question, what is wrong with this world is now we're pointing fingers, we're blaming others. And we're saying it's their fault, whoever they are in your life. It's very easy to point to another person, people, group, ideal, and say the people who believe in that ideal or that agenda, it's their fault that the world is going to hell in a handbasket. But Jesus invites us to start with an inward look of ourselves, that we would begin to look at our, and that we would find in this vertical relationship our spiritual fragmentation here so that this spiritual fragmentation, this unity fragmentation here would be healed. Because without this, this is going to be blocked. There's a relationship block here. Well, there's a quote I want to give you that I would say kind of sums up what kind of crisis we're in right now. And it's by Walter Brueggemann. And he says this, For I believe the crisis in the United States, the, in the U.S. United States church, has almost nothing to do with being liberal or conservative. It has everything to do with giving up on the faith and the discipline of our Christian baptism. And we settle for a common, generic U.S. identity that is part patriotism, 
part consumerism, part violence, and part affluence. So I would say that this actually has been birthing in our country since the beginning of our country in the great Protestant experiment, where that Protestant experiment, when we landed on this soil and we decided to take over this land and establish the United States of America, the Americas here, that if you were affluent and healthy, you were blessed by God. If you were not affluent and healthy, you were not blessed by God. So the more affluent the American dream then begins to birth, the more affluent, wealthy individuality, individually we become, that's an individuality concept, the more affluent we are, the more healthy we are, that we are blessed by God. Well, that, that list that Walter Brueggemann gives us, where it's part patriotism, part consumerism, part violence, and part affluence. That's a very selfish look at, at life. It sets us up for a very fragmented relationship with God and each other, and it creates division that does not reflect the kingdom of God. Because in the kingdom of God, remember in John 17, that we are to be united just as God and Jesus and the Spirit and the Trinity are united. We have that same unity commission and commandment that we are to love God and love others in that same way. So the reality for all of us is we were created with a hunger in our hearts, this desire to matter, to be significant and feel secure. And those ideas that Brueggemann just lifted, listed out is a very fleshly, earthly, human nature of human nature. It's our nature to find significance and to feel secure. We use things in order to feel secure and feel significant and matter in this life. The reality is, is that we all want to feel secure. We all want to feel significant. We all desire to matter, and that does not go away. But we will do anything and everything to feel significant and matter and feel worth. And our significance, instead of coming from love, because ultimately that's what Jesus tells us, is that our significance, our matter, our worth, strictly comes from the love of God and loving other people. But we've turned it into haves, like we have to have this or accomplish this, and that's what's going to give me worth or, or accomplishment or significance. So I need to answer the question, how do I contribute to the brokenness of the world? How do I reflect, how do I, how do I not reflect the kingdom of God? How do I contribute to division? How do I contribute to the lack of unity? So what I've seen online, especially lately, and by just Christians in general, but also leaders like pastors and significant Christian leaders, is we as a community, like the, the big church, the church universal, we have practiced name-calling and poking fun at people and and we, we like say things like, well, we're standing up for our country. We're standing up for the principles of our country. And we name call and we chastise people. And I've seen it a lot on social media. That creates division. That creates lack of unity. That creates conflict that didn't need to be created in the first place. So it doesn't reflect the kingdom of God. So how do I not reflect the kingdom of God? Well, I would say a practice of name-calling would be it, or pointing the finger or blaming others with what's wrong with the world. So we're meant to be 
cups that overflow love to one another. But we can't give to others if we're not given to first. And so this requires trust and surrender to God in this relationship because God, God can't fill it, number one, if we're not open to it. And, and when the vertical flow stops, our hunger and significance causes us to see the world as just a potential feeding ground to take from. So you can't fill a vessel that has a lid on it. So we need to open ourselves up to be filled with God's love first. And then we see this love to others. So instead of coming to these horizontal relationships full, looking to overflow and encouragement, we look at it as potential sources of significance to feed on. It's like a ladder that we're climbing and we're stomping on people to get to our top or our significance, matter, and worth. And the Bible calls this idolatry. In essence, it's the give and take, but I'm taking, taking, taking in order to give to myself, like these conditional love setups and and systems that we put in place that I will give as long as I get something in return. And this leads to fractured relationships and ultimately idolatry. So in order to have united relationships, the vertical relationship must be in place as a source, knowing what God's love looks like first, and then we're able to give love away to others unconditionally. So they call this the law of proportionate love, where I love proportionately to the fact of how I'm experiencing love in the first place. So if I, if I don't experience love, I'm going to have a very difficult time giving love to other people. If I'm fragmented in my understanding of love, if I'm fragmented and, and like disassociated from what experiencing love could look like and be like and 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 be experienced like then I'm going to give a disassociated fragmented disconnected experience of love to others so the horizontal relationship is very dependent on the vertical relationship so god needs to be our source and he needs to be the center of our source. And, and so we need to have that cup overflow first so that we have something to give, not constantly hungry for worth or self-affirmation. So wealth, achievement, status, having to be right, possessions, fame are the things that we gain a sense of full life, but they're very temporary and it like, sucks the life out of the world. And we become fragmented and we get into conflict. And ultimately, we end up in so much conflict that we're ending up in division. And that is not what John 17 tells us. So we need to counter this temptation. We need to remain free to love. So we tap into God's love regularly and and then we're able to be the overflowers of love to others, building each other up, encouraging one another, affirming each other, and being united with one another, just as this Garden of Gethsemane, this passage in John 17. So when we're sitting on that park bench across the table with somebody with coffee or, or we're there just to, to have you know a, a coffee time, or we're we're across the table in our homes or we're just sitting there in a restaurant with a friend. What words are coming out of our mouth that are kingdom unity? What words are coming out of our mouth that are love 
unity and kingdom? What words are coming out of our mouth that are encouragement, affirmation, building one another up? That that person, because we've experienced love from God so much, that that person leaves that table, leaves that bench, leaves that that place, that sacred space in which two or more are gathered, they leave that place and they are better because they met Jesus in that relationship with, with us, that they met Jesus, that they had a spiritual encounter in that relationship. We need to build up and to have a vertical relationship with God in order for that to happen. I think about all the times that I complain and I'm very negative. And, you know, I'm negative every day about something, right? And I really, I've struggled with that because probably I'm a little melancholy. Probably I have a glass is half empty type of view. Maybe I'm a pessimist. I don't know. But does my complaining get me anywhere? Absolutely not. Does my negativity actually accomplish what I want it to accomplish? It doesn't. But it does accomplish something. It takes from another individual. When I complain or I'm negative towards another individual, it sucks energy from that person. Now, I'm not saying just to walk around being, you know, this positive, positive Pam, positive Peter. I'm not saying just to walk around like that fake. But what I'm saying is that when we are incredibly negative and we have a negative spirit, possibly there's a spiritual fragment, possibly there's a spiritual just disconnect with God. So just as like our bodies need to have good nutrition to survive, so do our spirits need the nourishment from God's word, if we can think about that metaphor. Spending time listening to God's word, discipline to engage in on a regular basis. Well, if I think about having conversations with others and community with others, that's important and and necessary to my physical and emotional and mental life. And so prayer and community with God, commune with God in such a way, conversation is a necessary component to our relationship with God. Conversation with God is necessary for our spirits. And just like rest is important for our physical bodies, so is rest important for our spirits as well. So finding those Sabbath moments that we can engage in true rest, disconnect, turn that busy, busy, busy switch off that we would actually find rest to heal our spirits. Just like rest and sleep heals our physical bodies, rest heals our spirit as well. Well, I think about, well, where does like communion, like the practice of communion that we do every week? And I have great memories in my life where I think about like my grandmother and I think about my grandfather and I think about the history with growing up and the good things that were done, the sacrifices that were made, the the gifts that were given to me. I have grounding memories of my life that, that make and remind me that I was loved well. Even in the midst of turmoil and chaos and hurt, I was loved very well. And when I ground myself in memories, I can stand on that memory that I was loved very well. So communion is that for me. When I take communion each and every week, it's good for my spiritual well-being. Why? Because it's a reminder that I was loved well. And because I find rest, I read God's word, I'm in communion and prayer with God, and I'm in communion with God through the elements of communion, I'm reminded on a continual basis, but I'm built up that I was loved well. And because I was loved well, I can love others well. 
because I can now sit across the table and I can show an overabundance of love, that I'm not sitting here needing something from another person, that I'm able to give to another person the very love that possibly they absolutely need to make it in life for that moment, to feel significant for that moment. And because they need to matter and feel significance and worth, possibly the love that we offer them in that moment would give them that give them those very things that they have that hole in their heart and they would meet Jesus right there in that place, in that conversation, in that share point across the table with us. They would see Jesus in that moment and be filled and be filled and be healed and to overcome what they need to overcome in life. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for Jesus and the overabundance of love through sacrifice sacrifice on the cross, that you died for us. And Lord, help us to experience, feel, and perceive that we are so loved through just that very act, but also through our entire lives, that we are loved so much that we can't help but just that overflowing love to be an overflowing love towards other people. So Lord, as that's a foundation of our relationships, help us to build upon that foundation, Lord, in our life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.